welcome to Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is usually a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. But in these special bonus episodes, we're talking about the His Dark Materials TV series on BBC and HBO. Beware, these episodes are not spoiler free and will contain spoilers for the original HGM trilogy. So if you haven't read them all, pop back when you're all caught up. This week we're discussing Season 3, Episode 6, The Abyss. We are here. We are in the same room. We are. If the sound is a little bit different this week, that is because we've decided to get together Mm -hmm. and record in the same space, in the same place. And this will probably be the last time for a very, very long time because I am moving. Oh, God. I know. Sorry to bring it up immediately. (laughs) I can't believe I know. I'm moving. Out of London. Rude of you. Yeah, it's yeah. rude of London to be so overpriced is what it is. Truly. Yeah. Definitely is. Truly. Uh, yeah. I, I was thinking the last time we recorded in the same room was just before we went to America. So I was like March last year. Yeah. Literally a year. Because yeah. it was in, in my old house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. Oh no, it was in my room. It was. It, it was, was in, in your room. room. I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. And then before that, it must have been the summer before that yes. then, that we did yeah. in, at my house where we tried to do separate mics in the same that room. That was a whole palava yes that was a whole thing <laughs> uh, but no we are throwing it back to our old yeti mic which is what we started with yeah uh, and now i use it for my other podcast still into your paramore podcast if you're a paramore fan go listen yeah, to I mean, it there's, there's never been a better time to be a paramore fan mm. than right now when the hype is at its height right before the new album comes out so True. if you want all that good shit go <laughs> thank you go check out still into your podcast look this is so weird i feel like this Welcome to a very strange episode of mm-hmm. Energy because we never record in the same room mm-hmm. anymore. I'm a little bit hyper. We both yep. watched the, this episode this morning and then Faye had a right palaver with the trains to oh, get to my house. God, I did. And then we've been answering questions on our Instagram stories mm-hmm. and doing a little behind the scenes thing of like how we record the podcast or how we're recording this episode at least. Yeah. And so we're just a bit hyper, it's right. <laughs> go check our Instagram stories for yeah. some pretty manic energy. Yeah, go and check the <laughs> behind the scenes highlight. And also, if you can hear children screaming and stomping, that's because Rachel's upstairs neighbours are very loud. But the it just adds, it adds to the ambiance. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It, it, you know, just imagine that they are harpies above us. <laughs> Or, um, well, or we ghost are, children yeah, calling um, from the land of the dead. Go, that's the one. <laughs> Hopefully they'll, like, the longer that they've been there, they'll be quieter because they'll forget all that. That's really the analogy I was trying to make there was just got too sad. Yeah, like, please, oh, wait, please right, don't curse like, the children <laughs> that live upstairs. <laughs> I did stop it so they shan't be cursed. It's fine. It's fine. Amazing. Yeah. So when this episode comes out, you will have noticed that we put a cheeky little episode out the Monday of, I guess, if you listen to this on the Friday, on the Monday before, put a little cheeky interview out with uh, Stephen Harron, mm-hmm. who was just so great. It was yeah. great to speak to him. It was really lovely to talk to him. And he had loads of really interesting stuff to say about things on the show that we don't really think about. Yes. But now that we've spoken to him, we are thinking about when we watch it. Sense. And it's really interesting um he is one of the main editors on the series and so he has a lot to do with like sculpting the vibe of the show which yep. is great yeah was really fun to speak to him and we've got as you all know uh, we've interviewed like a million people and we're still doing some interviews so we're just going to kind of drop them as they're ready i guess on like random mondays as we go mm-hmm. go through uh, so yeah keep your keep your ears peeled i am assuming from where we are in our process of editing and all that kind of stuff, the next one will most likely be Russell Dodgson, our pal Russ. Or Francesca. It could be Francesca. Or Francesca. Have you listened to it yet? No. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Russell or Francesca is going to be your next one. Um, But yeah, they were... I mean, everyone's been amazing to talk to. And when this episode comes out, two days before this, we will have spoken to Brian Fisher. And you all know how much we love Brian, who is the puppeteer for, well, I mean, a lot of characters, but mostly the Golden Monkey LMP. 
mm-hmm. himself is going to be on the pod. And that has been a long time in the making. And honestly, to say that we're obsessed with Brian is an understatement. We love him so much. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we love Brian. It's going to be great. I'm really excited for how much stuff we've got going on. I'm a little bit sad. We're past the halfway point. This is episode yeah. six. Mm-hmm. So well and truly past the halfway point. Yeah. I don't want to think about the fact that the next episode we have to talk about is the penultimate episode. I'm already (laughs) thinking about episode eight and how we need to post that picture of me where I sent, I sent Rachel loads of pictures of me crying, but there was one particular one. She always sends me loads of pictures of her crying. (laughs) I do. That's our friendship. Whenever I cry, I send a picture to Rach. There's one and it's like slightly blurred and I look absolutely bananas. I'm just like tears falling down my face. But I, you, you might have to find that for me because I, when I got my new phone, I think I lost that picture because it'll be in, it'll be in our WhatsApp yesterday. Yeah, so funny. I will definitely, will definitely post that. But we are here to talk about the Abyss episode six. Yes. So this episode, you can tell the tensions build in because we flip between places so fast. That I found it difficult to like separate my notes out. Yeah. So I might tell you how I separated my notes, and then we can like, yeah, if we agree, well, we can like. Let's come to a consensus on, yeah. a, on a structure. So at first, I did Mrs. C in the Magisterium because we got like the clip at the top mm-hmm. of the episode that won't take long to talk about, and then I did I separated into the Land of the Dead, Asriel Camp. And then I figured Asriel and Yorick deserve their own little section. Oh, yes. And then Mary and Natal, although we don't get much of them. Nice. I would also say I want to have a little section with Coulter when she's alone and when she speaks to Seraphina, because yes. there's some pretty important scenes that are Asriel-less True. and thus excellent. True. <laughs> True. Okay, cool. This is an Asriel-heavy episode. It is. It's because we didn't get him for the last two. Yeah. So they're like, have him in your face for the entire episode. And I'm like, oh, I mean, if, if we if must. I have to. Yeah. <laughs> If we must. It's fine, because he gets absolutely smacked to fuck by Bear Dad. Literally yeeted into some rocks. It's amazing. I love it. It is fucking amazing. It's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> so good. I mean, I guess let's just talk about that right off the bat. It's so funny. He, like, wanders over, like, proper fucking Billy Big Bollocks. And then he's like, ah, oh, King Yorick. And Yorick immediately is like, boom. Smack. It's so good. And, like, the way that, like, Yorick says everything we've ever wanted to say to Azriel is amazing. It's like, why do you speak to me of her? She's everything you're not. So good. And then as uh, Azriel being like, perhaps I should have known her better. This is like part of Azriel's turn into, I guess, caring more for Lyra. But even then, I number one, why does it take Yorick to get some emotion out of Azriel? Number two... I'm still, I guess by the end of the episode, we see it more when Serafina is basically just blatantly doms the two of them and she's like, you You're two. not the main character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck and off. you need to stop acting like you think you are. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but at this point, Asriel, in my my perception of Asriel, is that he's still using Lyra's journey to get what he wants mm-hmm. at this point. Because he wants information from Yorick. Yeah. And he's using Lyra to get it. The thing that makes me want to slap him around the face so hard in that scene is when he's like, my daughter's staging a prison break. And he's like, it's like he's immediately taking credit for what she's doing. And it's like, up until now, you thought she was dead and you didn't give a fuck. Yeah. You didn't give a flying fuck that she was dead. Yeah. And now you're proud that she's not dead and that she's staging a prison break because... also, this is the first you've heard yeah. that there isn't a heaven and a hell and that the land of the mm-hmm. dead is just this like purgatory prison space. Yeah. And then he's like, and my daughter's staging a prison break. And it's like, can you just fuck off, please, for like half a second? Honestly. Oh, I, I hate it. I hate it that he basically, the moment when he speaks to Asriel about um, her name and changing her name yes. and like how yorick gave her the name i'm like yes and like the way that he brags about her as if she's still his daughter she's not your daughter anymore no. mate you gave up that right 100%. actually you're speaking to her real dad one of her real yes, dads you're yes. speaking to bear dad right now and you need to give him the respect that he is due and you're not yeah 100%. we get so many dads this episode so many of lyra's dads like all three of lyra's it's dads it's like the dadliest well, of episodes it is. sorry we're missing fodder quorum we are so no not, boat dad no boat dad but we get all the other dads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting to see, although we don't get Lyra and Yorick together, 
it's interesting to see the different dad dynamics mm-hmm. all related to Lyra. Um, and we get Will's dad too. Yeah, so many dads. Oh, oh, the dadliest. <laughs> the dadliest of dads, like honestly. So, okay, I guess we started with Azrael. We can go with Azrael Camp for now. Unless you want to go back and talk the very little bit at the beginning that we, we get could, with Mrs. C. We could cover Mrs. C at the very start mm-hmm. so that we can talk about how she's still wearing that fucking dress. Yeah, also, my first note is McPhail dead looks like me when I'm asleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like mouth open. Uh, like, yes. yes. <laughs> and then Paul Rook. Yeah. Oh, Another shot of mm. squished bug Lord Rook. Because yeah. he is. They've made a real point of making him look like a squished bug. And it's yeah. like, oh. Yeah. It's So Mrs. C immediately shuts down for our power, which is hilarious. Like mm. she just literally, no, shut up. I love that the power's out across the station yes. because of the explosion. So all of these scenes are candlelit. I'm mm-hmm. like, yes, amazing. So the thing is with this, is we, we briefly discussed this before. Why can Frau Pavel now just read the Alethiometer almost like Lyra can? What the fuck did Gomez do to Frau Pavel? Although we did get <laughs> Oh an my email. God, we got an amazing <laughs> email. I get it, I'll yes. so, This is from, from Lark of yes. Hashtag Ruthless Productions, who you will know because Lark came on and did a tarot episode with us. And also he runs a couple of other podcasts. One is The Gaily Prophet, the other one is The Gay Pirate Podcast, and the other one is Escape from Reality. Great podcasts all around. And yes. Lark had some excellent insight for us. I love this. this email so much. <laughs> so Lark said, hi friends. I've been catching up on your TV show episodes and I want to offer what I think is a correction that you'll be very excited about. I'm 97.5% sure that Daddy Gomez fucked Fro Pavel. The way MacPhail assessed Gomez before assigning the task to him, the whole thing with the rat demon, the indication in season one that Fro Pavel is gay, the fact that torturing someone would not help them chill out and focus, but having an orgasm would. I think they kept it vague for understandable reasons, but I also think that the text strongly implies that they're fucked. Is that why Frau Pavel can read the Alethiometer? He's just had enough orgasms now. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Also, I think if, because he is wrong, technically, in mm-hmm. his reading, yes. yes, I think what he's done is there are some very obvious reads you could get mm-hmm. from the Alethiometer in the same way that there probably are some really obvious reads you can get from a lot of, like, for example, Tarot, um, yeah. where it's like, yeah, you've pulled the death card. Mm-hmm. Actually, is that what that means? Yeah. And it's not he's she. It's showing the death symbol because she's dead. It's it's showing the death symbol because she's in the land of the dead. Yes. And yeah, so yeah. he has read it quickly, but he's not read it accurately. True. So there is that. Okay. <laughs> it was all candlelit. And it was great. <laughs> and yes. now that I, <laughs> I honestly like, I know it's all about the orgasms. It's just not a. It's I loved that email because it's really not a big leap to it because we had this conversation a while back, didn't we? We were mm-hmm. like, what is this vibe here? Like, it's not a leap to you know, make the assumption that they fucked. Like, I think it's very, a very valid point to have mm-hmm. made because, yeah, there's so much weird tension going on. Definitely. Absolutely. I hope they yeah. both enjoyed it. <laughs> I hope they had fun. <laughs> Although also not because yeah. they're magisterium boys and they don't deserve to have fun. True. But like... <laughs> it I might mellow them out a bit. Exactly. Mm. That's what I thought. I mean, it hasn't, obviously. But... No. <laughs> It might at some point, but... Daddy Gomez is still a watery-eyed murderer, so... he really is, yeah. We don't get him this episode either, do we? No, we don't. No Mm. Kylo Ren outfit for us. No. Okay, so, should we we go to Asriel Camp? Briefly, Um, I want to ask you, because I completely forgot about it from our previous rewatch to watching for making my notes, about if you had any thoughts on the weird little intro bit at the very beginning, where it's all, like, underwatery dusty somethingy mm-hmm. and it's a bit like voice of god uh exposition voiceover i think it's metatron's voice yeah i think it's metatron yeah. it's interesting to me because that part i do quite like the visual like mm-hmm. but i the thing what, what they say about dust it's very similar to what they said in the last episode of like see how you fare without it kind of vibes it doesn't to me it didn't add much from what I already knew from what Metatron said in the last episode. But I wonder if it's maybe just like, this is a very important part of this episode and also quite a big thing that is very difficult to understand because we've talked to many people about how dust is very difficult to understand and how it relates to the actual Mm. overarching story. So maybe they were like, okay, let's put that in to just remind people how important it is. And also this episode, episode kind of 
literally picks up from where the last one went off with the abyss and things like that. So maybe it was just a reiteration. Yeah, like a little clarification, yeah. reinforcement of dust is important and dust is being attacked slash taken away. Mm-hmm. Because we get it throughout the rest of the episode as like Mary realises that the trees are yes. desperately clinging on to what dust there is or trying to stop the flow and the flow has increased and mm-hmm. that Asriel realises that the abyss is taking the dust. Yeah, But maybe without it being explicitly said that that was like a deliberate thing. We mm-hmm. might think it was just a random byproduct. Yeah. I yeah. I see why it was there for a clarification. I mean, we didn't really need it there because, uh, and I mean, and also readers of the books didn't need it there, but I guess for people that have come to the fandom through the series and maybe haven't read the books, I guess that, that must be helpful for them. Mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Just as a very difficult concept to understand, um, especially with like everything else going on in the show as well there's so much going on yeah this um, is a very stuff's going on episode oh, for sure <laughs> so mrs coulter is back in asriel camp and mm-hmm. asriel's immediately like mommy mommy come on look what i made let me show you what i made mommy i, hate it like, so I can't i can't <laughs> it's just oh it's so grim Ugh, god honestly he's just like the fact that he seems happy about the abyss yeah is really mm. annoying mm-hmm. yes. immediately he's like how can i weaponize this Ugh. look at this look at what this is doing it attacks dust he's not thinking about preserving dust protecting dust you know the aim of the entire series yeah he's thinking about how he can use it to be weaponized against the angels he's very much yes. like one track and one track mind on that one track mind on showing off his toys and he just doesn't even clock that marissa is broken because that is what's happening. She's mm. come in. She's not said a word. She's not stomped in in her coulter boots. She's wearing some very flat shoes. Very, very flat very, shoes. The, and the a very of shoes. And a very unflattering <laughs> dress. Yeah. Yeah. And just looks fucked. Her, and he just doesn't yeah. notice. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit. Her makeup is amazing in that scene. So good. The way that they've like... Ruth Wilson is always beautiful and she still looks beautiful but the way that they've made her look rough as fuck especially with those like big bags under her eyes and like the kind of like purpley tint to them oh, it's great Asriel in the scene is infuriating he learns that Lyra is dead there's like a f- well they think that Lyra is dead obviously there's like a flicker of something in him but he also immediately is more bothered seems more bothered about Rook dying than mm-hmm. Lyra and I love Mrs. Collar's line of would you like me to tell you how your daughter died or would you like to continue to tinker with your toys? Yeah. Great line. The fact that she doesn't beat the shit out oh. of him. <laughs> Especially because she, yeah, because she obviously blames him for it. She yeah. says you've taken my daughter from me and I'll never forgive you. I love that she lays it out for him in that way because... Yeah. Especially because um, he doesn't realise how he is at fault for everything. Even later when um, Yorick's explaining to him that she went after Roger and he's like oh, the kitchen boy yeah and you can yeah. see it in his face he's like that was my fault yeah yeah yeah. yeah. but then also because it's his fault he's taking credit for the fact that she's there and she's going to do this big thing yeah yeah 100%. and like in that same way it's like he doesn't see how it's blatantly his fault that she, if she was dead that it's his fault that she is dead yeah and like I love that Coulter just says it he's mm-hmm. like I'm sorry you're clearly not feeling anything right now and also people receive information and grieve in different ways yeah but at the same time, you're receiving that information from the mother of your shared child and you do not in any way attempt to comfort her. Yeah. You can freeze and have like a freeze response to that information, but that's not what we're seeing from Asriel. We're seeing her receive the information, kind of don't give a fuck, kind of just push it down and carry on. And also, like, I think we are, you know, fully within our right to assume how Asriel thinks and feels about this situation because... We've seen throughout three seasons his complete disregard for Lyra. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's a stretch to assume that, yes, you might have a flicker of some kind of feeling for that his daughter's died, but it's nothing compared to what a parent would usually feel losing a child. And like you said, he can see it in Mrs. Coulter and he does absolutely fuck all to attempt to comfort her mm-hmm. he's just kind of like ursals but also me the closest to comfort that colter gets this episode is her conversation with seraphina because yeah. seraphina knows how it feels to lose a child uh, yeah. and that conversation is i love that everyone gets everyone everyone gets their scene with colter yes. especially an even rooter like, it's such yeah. it's such a good 
scene, I honestly forget about Serafina and the and her son with Father Corum. So when we first watched that, I was like, oh yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a very well done scene. It's very well done in the sense of Mrs. Coulter trying to like bait Serafina into killing her. Mm-hmm. There's such desperation in that from Coulter, even though she seems to be her like old self she's you definitely not can see that she sees that Serafina isn't buying it as yeah. she's saying it and that she doubles down and doubles down and she's like if I can just piss her off enough yeah I love that and yeah. like yeah there's something really beautiful as well about the way that Serafina refuses to because she knows why Coulter is like goading her on and also because she as a person that has experienced the loss of a child but it's further down the line for her yeah can be this source of like comfort and guidance for someone who has more recently lost a child is like a really beautiful thing. Yeah. I think that's really nice. Yeah. And Serafina, you know, even though Coulter has done horrendous things to wishes, Serafina, you know, like you said, does attempt to comfort her and, and she's like, and I can't remember the exact word she says, but the I guess the sentiment of it is I, I know how hard it is to, to lose someone. I know you loved her. And then Mrs. Coulter's like, I didn't love Lyra. I wasn't able to. I was incapable of it, too warped. And then she says, even my own demon rejects me. I love that line and that delivery mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. That was just like a really beautifully heartbreaking yeah. little moment in there. And Serafina is like, you, I can see the change in you. Like you do, I can see that you do love her. And it's it is very ni- a nice exchange between the two of them for sure. Mm. And um, then like, you wouldn't feel this way if you didn't love her. Yeah. Kind of thing as well. It's like, yeah. yeah. And all the stuff about the prophecy. And then I, I don't know if this happens in the book, but I love that Serafina is the one, and this continues throughout the rest of the episodes now, I guess, tiny, tiny spoiler. She is the one that is like, all Eve fucking did was dare to experience. It was an act of bravery, of great beauty. And that is her like through line now for like the rest of the season. And I love that she was given that. Like I said, I can't remember if she has that in the books, but I love that because we haven't seen her. This is the first time we've seen her this season. Mm. And she comes in to just like- be... She comes in to fuck everybody up because yes. Rita died. Yeah, That's what she does and I love it. And then that scene, that scene where she storms in and she mm. is ready to kill Asriel. Yeah. I just desperately wanted her to just give him a little slap. Just, yeah. just, just something. for the size. Just something. The fact that she backs down, I'm just like, no, but just do something. Like you've got, you've got your little knife. Yeah. You could just, oh, cause he deserves it. Yeah. I do enjoy the fact that he's like on his knees in front of her. And yeah. I'm like, I bet that's familiar to him after being with Coulter. Yes. <laughs> but also like, it annoys me that he's on his knees. He's like, no, don't put your weapons at her. And like, he still acts with the confidence that he can turn it around, even though she oh, should yeah. be the person in power in that scene. He's yeah. acting with the confidence of someone that knows he can talk his way out of it. And I, that's why I wanted her to give him a little slap because he needs to be taken down a peg or two. And that's why it's so great when Yorick does give him a little slap. <laughs> yeah. That it's like, yes. Yeah, for sure. How do we feel about Queen Ruta dying? I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I don't know she doesn't either. die in the books. As far as I'm aware, she doesn't die in the books. I think she just goes off to, ha- to fight to join the battle, but yeah. she also doesn't have as big a role. So I'm like happy that we get to see more mm. of Ruta in her role. But I feel like they clearly gave her a bigger role so they could kill her off. Yeah. Which the thing is, like, I, I agree with you. I've enjoyed seeing more of her this season. And obviously, they kill her to illustrate what the abyss does because it, mm-hmm. su- it like sucks her demon in. But I'm just like, did it have to be her? Yeah. Couldn't it have been somebody else? It did, did it have to be when she was in the middle of a lovely little chat with right? the <laughs> Because they have such a nice chemistry yeah. and I'm like, rip that chemistry. Yeah, sometimes. Sure that's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I, I kind of wish that it kind of feels like they brought her forward in this season, established her character a little bit more and then killed her so that we'd all feel something for her. But also they only killed her to like make a point about what the abyss does. And I feel like that could have been done with some random soldier. Yeah. And also this is what I don't get is like her demon is flying really far away from it and gets yeah. sucked into it. And then like later in the episode, Azriel just like abseils down it and Stell's stood at the side. Yeah. Like what sucking powers <laughs> does this abyss have? Oh my God, I said those words. I love that. <laughs> also, <laughs> I know what you mean. And also how... 
why can Asriel be so far away from Stell? Why can he be so far away from Stell? Why the fuck? Because the demon falls down while he's abseiling down. Yeah. He's just, he stands there. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't shout. He doesn't scream. He doesn't mm. say anything. He doesn't try to save the bird in any way. No. He just sees Ruta's demon plunge into this abyss and turn to dust. And he just stands there doing nothing. And he's like, interesting. What the fuck? Yeah. She's your trusted ally. Mm-hmm. Like, you definitely fucked in the past. Like, you should care more about this. Yeah. Oh, God. A hundred percent. I don't know if I'm happy with what happened to no. Ruta, to be honest. I wish she'd been given more of a death. If her death was more... Her, her choice. Yeah. In mm. the similar way to how we lost um, Baruch. Mm. Because he went down fighting for a cause that he believed in and yes. delivered a message that he felt was important. It was devastating to lose him. Mm-hmm. He was a character we wish we could have had more time with, but he went down for the cause he was fighting for. Whereas like Ruta just, yeah, got taken away to make a point. Yeah. And I guess it is in part, part of the greater battle in that the abyss is framed in this series very much as an attack and mm-hmm. a retaliation from Metatron, from the authority at Asriel, and Asriel says that he's happy, he's, the abyss appears and he's happy about it. Yeah. He's like, oh, it looks like he got my message then. (sighs) But also, by the way, this is killing the entire fucking universe. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I'm so angry about all of it. Oh, me too. (laughs) So the rage of this episode. Honestly. Okay, I had one note about Serafina when she talks to Asriel, etc. Well, I had two notes, one of them. Asriel's, is what I just said, but Asriel, I'm at your mercy, do with me what you will. I bet that's what he says to Coulter. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the other one, well, it, it, that we need to pop a pin in for next episode, Serafina mm-hmm. talks about the abyss and she gives us the exposition of, okay, so if somebody falls into that abyss, they'll be forever falling, forever in a limbo. So pop a pin in that because that's an important bit mm-hmm. and that means that her sister Ruta Scardi has not fully died a part of her yeah. is forever mm-hmm. stuck and that's also shit for Ruta horrendous awful she doesn't even get a normal death and get no. to like go just like everyone else to the land of the dead and turn to dust and yeah. be with her demon again her demon is forever full. no sorry no. absolutely no, not you. no thank you and this is the first time that we hear a word that I personally think is the heaviest clunk of this entire season. Agreed. I've got this in my notes too. Multiverse. I can't with that. It's given Marvel. Yeah, this is, I think it would be fine if Marvel hadn't done it yes, to death. for sure. I agree. 100%. Um, yeah. And part of me is like, I understand why this conversation might have happened and they've just gone, call a spade a spade. It is what it is. Yeah. Because of Marvel, people are aware of this concept or they're aware of this word. It's way more in the mainstream. We can just drop it in. It doesn't sound like a stupid sci-fi word because people know what it means. Call a spade a spade. Mm -hmm. But equally, we're not in the MCU. We're not in your normal Mm sci-fi. We're in Philip Pullman's Mm -hmm. where words like ambaric are used instead of electric. The other thing that clunked for me was after that beautiful explanation, either last episode or the one before, about uh, Lyra's hair... And how it was like things wanting to become part of a whole and how there's a a code that runs through all of us. They just drop the word DNA Uh, in the middle of a line. And I'm like, we haven't heard DNA before in this series. And so I just thought, oh, there's other ways you could have worded that that would have felt more Pullman versey. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel the same about multiverse. Like we've had so many beautiful ways of talking about the worlds. Yeah. And even just like, even in like, for example, the lovely little cast gift that we got sent in the post by the PR folks that said like from our worlds to yours yeah and it's like there's so much more like beautiful ways of saying these things that saying like it's everywhere in the multiverse just doesn't sound as right as saying like every world I passed through had this or it's in all of the worlds I've seen or the just many worlds or there's so many ways of saying that on multiverse yeah I really don't like it I really do not like it it's a clunk for me Mm -hmm. same what isn't a clunk is sweet, sweet Agunway. Because he is the one that notices that something's wrong with Mrs. Coulter. Yes. We love, we stan his emotional intelligence. He actually is the only other person, really, apart from, obviously, Serafina, who has a really nice relationship with Lyra. 
that gives a seems to give a shit that Larry's dead and he's never even met. Never even met. Yeah. And the fact that Asriel, that was my that was my one of my fingers okay. around. I was like, the fact that he's had a conversation with Asriel, he's spoken to Asriel mm-hmm. between Coulter telling Asriel that Lyra is dead and him talking to Coulter. There have yeah. been scenes, I'm pretty sure, where Agonwe and Asriel interact. They're in the same room. Yes. Asriel has not spread the news. He has not told anybody no. that Lyra, this kid that they've also gone on missions to try and protect and had multiple conversations about it's dead. Mm-hmm. He's not told anybody. Mm-hmm. And so the look on Agunway's face, and you can see it, you can see that it's him adjusting his calculations about Asriel when he receives the news yeah. from Coulter. You can see that adjustment happening when he's like, why the fuck didn't Asriel mention this? Yeah. That his daughter died. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? For sure. Ugh. So Agunway being a good dad to contrast Asriel yes. being a shit dad. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> We get Mrs. Coulter saying come to the monkey and he's like, nah, bitch, and he fucks <gasps> off the opposite direction. Which is interesting. Honestly. We get, I guess there's like two more big things that happen in this area of the episode. Mm-hmm. One of them is Asriel and Mrs. Coulter learning that Lyra is not dead and that she's in the land of the dead. And Asriel thinks it's like the best thing ever and I'm still like, fuck off, mate. And then we touched on it briefly earlier, but then Mrs. Coulter's back in her own clothes. She's looking great again. Oh my God, I love that change. Yeah. The, when The moment she starts putting her own clothes on again, I'm like, yes, bitch. Yeah. Oh, thank fuck. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's funny when we hear, when Asriel is telling Mrs. Coulter that Lyra's still alive and she, I love that she doesn't believe in Frasier. She's like, fuck off. If you're fucking with me, you can fuck off. I love it so much when yeah. she's like where's your evidence give me evidence yeah. and his evidence is just Yorick told me in the pants of you yeah. and don't lie and it's like mm, I don't know if that's good enough how do I even know you saw him <laughs> yeah exactly so she does a little laugh that is genuine but it's also a little bit unnerving because we've never seen Coulter I guess express that type of emotion mm-hmm. before I love how Serafina is so proud of Lyra and Will She's so proud of them. And she gets a fucking great sniper as real as well. She says, they'll have achieved something remarkable, far more remarkable than your rebellion. Yes. Yes. I, mm, the moment when she delivers fully to Asriel that he is not the main fucking character. Yes. yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. His only redeeming feature is that he actually appears to take some of that information yes. on yeah. and accept that he might not be the main character. I don't think it's fully sunk in yet. No. But that is the beginning, I think, of what we see of his, like, turn yes. towards any kind of redemption. Is like, For receiving sure. the information that he's not the main character and not immediately, like, pitching a tantrum about yes. it. 100%. 100%. <laughs> so then we get a scene with Mrs. Coulter and LMP that is Russell Dodgson's favourite monkey scene ever and in I the show. And I why. Mm-hmm. Oh, we get an apology. We get Mrs. Coulter apologising to the monkey. She explains why she used to send him away. Mm -hmm. She couldn't bear to feel what she didn't want to feel. So she sent the monkey away. And she used to pretend that it didn't hurt, but it does. Yeah. And then she was saying that, like, it became something else, which really links back into our theories that we had in the first couple of seasons Mm -hmm. about Mrs. Coulter's relationship with the monkey being linked to a certain type of like self-harm yeah. and self-control in that way that was like quite abusive towards herself yeah and that's very much her admitting it is like it hurt when we were apart and i did it for one reason initially mm-hmm. and another reason after that and i think the other reason after that is that self internal like, yeah self-deprecation self-abuse like that kind of thing which yeah. is yeah. so sad it is so sad it's so well delivered yeah, yeah. she says the monkey is a strong one and then she says i'm so very sorry please come back to me and they have like a little handhold moment. That is one of you. the most genuine apologies mm. I think I've seen. Oh my god, like, yeah. ever. Her like mm. I'm so very sorry is just beautiful because like she could have said all of those things and not said the words I'm yeah. so very sorry. Yes. And it could have, you know, read as an apology. But the fact that she officially makes it an apology is yeah. like oh, beautiful. Ugh. It is heartbreaking. Really great. Yeah. yeah, and then she reaches for his hand. He's been reaching for her yes, hand for so long. And now she reaches for his hand in yeah. the little the way he just like very gracefully just gently puts his hand on her hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cute and very nice and just like a nice way to like I guess almost round off their relationship and the I guess round off the journey that we've seen Colter go on with the monkey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very Aww. cute. Do we think without 
tidbit of information that we had from the interwebs somewhere mm. that we'd heard that the monkey speaks at some point. Do we think it was in any of these scenes that we've seen this episode? I wondered if perhaps it was in a scene as he's walking away from her and chooses to leave and she says something and maybe he goes, no, and carries on no. walking. <laughs> or so. could it be when she's like, I'm so very sorry. And he's like, you're forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what it would be. So I guess spoiler for our Russell interview, but we asked him this and yeah. he didn't know what the monkey said. We will ask Brian. We will ask Brian because I think Brian's got to know, right? Surely. So we all try and get to the bottom of it. Yeah, I don't know. I just can't picture it anywhere. Like, I... No. It would clunk anywhere for me, I think. I think that, you know, if it was one of those... I don't think Philip would ever want this, but say if it was one of those things that, like, Philip really pushed for and they, they had to have it in the show, I think they'd do a, as good of a job of it as they could because mm. they always do a good job with stuff. Um, and we've never had any, like, major complaints, but I just think it would clunk regardless. Except for Goose Gay. Except for Goose Gay. <laughs> Although, you know... I mean, Russell we had Goose explained. Get explained. It was yeah. fine. Yeah. The shot of Zephania, like, above Coulter and Asriel is really nice. It's a nice shot at mm -hmm. the end. We start getting her voice and I'm like, has she gone back to being an exposition machine? Yeah. And then she actually shows up, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. in person because she's an angel, but in angel. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. She, at least she's, like, on the screen as well as talking. True. <laughs> but, um, well, yeah, when, they, when they're like, do you hear that voice? I'm not just going crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. What is this? <laughs> okay. Do you have anything else to say about Asriel Camp? We can move on to the As Asriel. I believe that is everything from Camp Asriel that I can think okay. of. We'll see if anything else pops up. Aside from the fact that I think Sarah Fina mentions something about finding the children's demons, about needing to yes. find them and sending Kaiser to find them. And that's yes. just an important plot point yes. to have in our heads for mm -hmm. the next episode or two. We get a similar point from Joffrey as well. We do, yes. Mm. Yes. So... Land of the Dead, here we are. AKA Land of the Dark. Land of the Dark. Also, it's turned a little bit into Silent Hill. There's like a shot of Roger at the very beginning and there's like stuff falling around him. I'm I'm guessing it's like debris from the... Like, yeah. But I'm like, is, are we in Silent Hill now? What's happening? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to go and watch Silent Hill so uh, I understand. I you keep recently. making these references. I, I, I don't get them. I but yeah, it it's very... I mean, I might have to partially retract my statement from last episode where I said, oh, they've done such a good job of lighting it, even though it's supposed to be dark. Because despite the fact that they still have the lanterns, I kind of understood it partway through the episode because once we start to see more of the abyss and more of the imagery of the ghosts in the dark and you see the lines of lanterns across the, the ridge that is mm. the edge of the abyss, it is a beautiful image and the contrast does potentially add to it yeah i just i watched this episode in the middle of the day and i had to close the curtains mm. and my curtains are quite good in here they block out quite a lot of light yeah. and i still struggle to see some of what was on the screen yeah. and it's like I, i'm so sorry i just need a bit more light yeah. to know what's going on and also i want to see more of the harpies yes because mm. the design is so cool why i just i wanted a bit more light in yeah no i get that it was very yeah. very dark episode also there's like a bit where lee says are you okay to lyra and she's like yeah are you and it's very like nonchalant so like, oh my god are you okay so uh, like when the fucking land of the dead's fall into shit in it yeah and she's like yeah are you sounds like they've just seen each other dark shops <laughs> <laughs> you going through no mars <laughs> bye mars see you later <laughs> exactly. that's what that's the vibe yes 100 <laughs> percent um also how come being drawn into the abyss only seems to impact Will and Lyra? It doesn't impact Asriel when he's like halfway down the hole. It doesn't seem to impact Lee. Is that a harpy thing? Is it a dust thing? I was going to say, is it a being alive thing? Which would explain is why it, it doesn't impact Lee or the ghost. Yes. But then the fact that it doesn't impact mm. Asriel, but maybe he's not as close to... Like the bottom of it. Yeah. yeah. Not that it has a bottom. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> true but like they're you know they're further into it but also they're spending more time around it because he abseils down it but he's probably yeah. only down there for like half an hour or whatever yeah, and yeah. then he pops back to his camp so i think maybe yeah. they're spending too much time next to it mm -hmm. um i kind of love that that it draws you in it feels like you're gonna make a lot of the rings reference you've made references i haven't seen i'll make one you haven't seen i've seen lord of the rings you know and i know exactly what you're gonna say yeah when they're going through the swamp yeah. and he makes eye contact with one of the dead things in the swamp and just like face plants into the water it yeah. feels like that yeah for sure <laughs> see i know that it also is very 
Lord of the Rings again, I guess it kind of feels like the temptation that the ring gives as well, mm. like to put the ring on and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And the way it whispers a little yeah. bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then also there's just a, quite a few scenes in Lord of the Rings where they are doing some like mountainside skirting on like tiny little yes. paths that are like barely a shelf along the mountainside. Mm-hmm. And that is very much this energy as well. Of, like it's very... And now you're on an official fantasy adventure because yes. you've had to do a skinny mountain yes. path with a long drop. And you've had to jump over a big gap. Also, exactly. <laughs> which I would fucking fall into that immediately. There's yeah. no way I'd make that jump. Um, the fact that Roger and oh. Will have like a little like, I'll jump over it first. No, I'll jump yeah. over it first. <laughs> and like Roger's little butthurt face when Lyra calls, calls for Will in that moment as well. But like they have a thing throughout this episode, don't they? Those yeah, two, like, like just a little bit. Like I like that it's like, it's a slight, it's like a, who's the better bestie rivalry mm-hmm. like what I have between me and Zach who is the <laughs> face other podcast co-host um, yes. but it's like it's not in any kind of I don't think there's any actual malice there it's no. just a it's a little bestie off <laughs> yeah for sure for sure so we get them telling more stories it's very cute Lee's reaction to them telling stories is very cute Lee mm-hmm. is my favorite adult for sure in his dark materials he's so he's like my favorite kind of adult i love adults that don't patronize children mm-hmm. and he's very happy to be there with the kids and i love it it's really great he's not patronizing but he's also not overly serious yeah and that's what's nice is like he just has fun yeah and it's like how is he having fun he's in the land of the yeah. dead he's literally dead for sure <laughs> uh, the music when they're telling stories is really lovely yeah. um and then lee mentions a bacon sandwich shaman but and I still don't make the connection. But it's funny, like, when they do later make the connection, Lee does the exact same thing that I did. He's like, John Parry? Wait, Joppery? And that was me, and you were like, you fuck you. You were like, girl. <laughs> and, like, at least Lee hasn't seen it written down 10,000 times <laughs> while she's been analysing the books, like, as part of her, like, I was going to say day job. We don't get paid for this shit. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, how are we summoning Joppery? Is it Lee's mum's necklace? Why has he still got it? Wouldn't it have been like with all the other crap? Don't you belong in this get? See, this is the thing. They've had to. I think they've had to do some clever little work around. Oh, he's a shaman and he's retained some of his shaman powers. And they've had to do a clever little bit of. Oh, well, he can't be here for this bit where we're all walking together yeah. like he might be supposed to be, because Andrew Scott wasn't available. Yeah. Yeah. And we had so we had to just have this scene where it was just Andrew and Amir in a cave. Yeah. And like at no point will Lynn and Andrew interact on screen or yeah. Andrew and anyone other than Amir interact on screen. Yes. And it's like I love that Will got to have that moment. That scene felt really important. Mm-hmm. But it did feel like they had to do a little bit of like jiggery pokery to like yes. make it oh well he's just a shaman so it's fine he has magic yeah. so it's okay that we can just somehow summon him or find him within the world of the dead and that he can deliver us some exposition talk about guiding their demons in the outside world yes. etc and just like it's just a little bit of like ooh, accept it because of the magic of tv that needed to happen yeah <laughs> if you remember when we spoke to francesca she said that they didn't know if they would get him back mm-hmm. and she was really happy that they did so that made it sound like there was obviously some like scheduling conflicts around getting him back which makes sense but yeah he is kind of it's nice to see him again but he is kind of just a bit of an exposition machine really isn't it because he talks about now we know that will's demon is an actual physical being Mm -hmm. that is somewhere and will needs to go and find her and that jopri's guided her to asriel's camp and then we also find out that will can't stay in a world that's not his yeah can't stay in a world that's not his. And also, I think something is mentioned about when they do go into the outside world, something about the way that they'll just turn into atoms or yes. like apart or yes. something along those something, lines. Like they'll be part of the universe or yeah. something like that. So, yeah, we do get a lot of... So I think that line gets delivered by the alethiometer in the books. And so mm. he kind of gets some of the alethiometer's exposition machine role. But he's not just there for exposition because it is... The interaction between him and Will is yeah. lovely. And it's... Will needed that closure. Everyone yeah. needed to have a moment with some kind of dad this episode. Yes. Uh, we've seen Bear Dad, we've seen Balloon Dad, and now we have Bacon Sandwich Dad. <laughs> we do. Um, and yeah, like that was, I'm glad that Will got to have that moment. I'm glad that Amir got to act that scene because yeah. I felt like it was, there was enough emotional substance there as well as the exposition Absolutely, that got delivered. yeah. So, yeah, for yeah. sure. It was nice, nice closure. So 
my other note about Joffrey was does this man bun look smaller or is it just me it was too dark it was too tell. dark <laughs> I couldn't couldn't tell you couldn't tell you um <laughs> Again, with the darkness, it I feel like maybe it was just so that when they do open the window and light finally yes. comes in, it makes such an impact. Oh my God, that window opening is the most satisfying window opening we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so satisfying. It was, it was great. very good. And it opens to such a lovely scene. Such a nice view. Uh, before we talk about all the ghosts, we get Lyra falling into the abyss. I, number one, I fucking love that she actually falls because you know me and whenever I watch something... And they like tease a character like in peril and then they pull them back at the last minute. Mm-hmm. And I know that she does get saved by the harpy. But the fact that she actually falls, I really and they like. And there's probably seconds yeah. where they think they've lost her. Yes. Yeah. Um, the way that she falls is exactly the same as how she falls out of the balloon in season one mm-hmm. with her like, ah. love it, love <laughs> yeah. it. Um, which is a nice little callback. Um, the conversation with the harpy is so great. And it clunks in the best way. Honestly, I know this is from the books, and I'll say it when we get to that point of the book. Gracious Wings is the shittest name ever. I fucking love that Gracious Wings hates her own name. <laughs> and she's like, she, well, you fucking said it now, so you yeah, can't take it back. It. She was like, you can't take it back. <laughs> it's So I think they know, like, Gracious Wings is such a book Lyra name to deliver. Yeah. And we've had these conversations before about how, like, Daphne's Lyra is different to book Lyra in part she's being played older she's been exposed to things that in the books a 12 year old can take in their stride but like no we don't accept that on the screen in the same way so Daphne's Lyra is darker that's in the same way that we have the shift in the way that we see the like separation scene on the dock like that has changed her Mm -hmm. I don't think this Lyra would give her that name so I think it's very definite a book Lyra or it's like a little callback to book Lyra it feels like that like it has to be this name but at the same time, she can't be like fully invested in this name being the best name ever. Yeah. So the fact that she's like, if that's okay. And then the harpy's like, well, you can't bloody take it back now. <laughs> and then so the harpy funny. says something else about like, something like if they don't survive, they can't tell people my name or something. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I love that. I love that she's genuinely considering not helping the ghost because if they can't do anything, they can't tell anyone her name because she's so embarrassed of the name that she's been given. <laughs> Like, oh, Lyra, you you did that harpy so day. <laughs> Although in that moment, is that not why she ends up agreeing to help them? Uh, Cause potentially. Because she, she's like, if they... Mm, yeah. Right, this whole harpy thing in this TV series versus the books has me, like, I guess a little bit confused because I'm like, okay, so if we think about book harpies, the whole thing there is that they got sent down by the authority to basically terrorise the people in the land of the dead to not let them, I guess, think or, like, speak for themselves. Then we find out that they hate lies, but they find true stories uh, and nourishing. So the deal that is struck is that the people that come to the land of the dead have to tell the harpies their stories, and they have to be true, and they have to be interesting, and then they will guide them up to... Be mm-hmm. set free, excluding babies. We get babies get a pass. Yeah. What is the deal here? What is the difference between the deal that Lyra makes here? Because there is, it's not the same. Yeah, it feels like the same gist, mm. but there's not like a really clear bargain. Mm. Um, it's basically like I feel like Lyra just shouts across and she's like, "They'll be nice to you slash they'll help you if you tell them stories." Yeah true stories and that's because yeah. I think she doesn't even say they have to be true stories then mm. I think the harpy like flies around and says like no liars yeah <laughs> yeah I guess in the book it feels more like a regimented like agreement yeah like they're gonna spit on their hands and yeah. shake on it if the harpies had hands to spit on yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly but this feels much more of a loose arrangement um, yeah. and also like the harpies sway good anyway mm-hmm. like it's unclear what their exact role is yeah in the tv series so then it's unclear what they have to do to get out and also i feel like maybe if they'd mentioned the like yeah babies get a free pass line in the tv series it would have been like what yeah i'm not sure <laughs> so yeah. i completely get that no i get that so because it's funny in the book it's hilarious <laughs> i love that they felt they had to mention it yeah <laughs> just like sure. but by the way i'm eating all babies down this hole <laughs> thanks very much <laughs> yes i do like the harpies in the tv series it just feels a bit 
muddled to me, I think. Yeah, I think they had... That storyline is very cool in the books. Like, they have a purpose, and it's fleshed out really well in the books, but I feel like they weren't able to flesh it out in the time they had in the series enough to make me feel completely on board with the logic. Yes, for sure. Also because Lyra's not quite on her, like... She's not lying... Well, she's not lying. Mm. Um, but she's also not bargaining in the same way that we see her do it with, like, for example, Joffa Ragnarsson in season one, yes. um, where she is much more likely to, like, full-on strike a deal and spit on her palm and shake yeah. it. Whereas this feels a bit more like a, come on, man, we're trying to do this yeah. really cool thing. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in our interview with Russell, he mentioned the Harpy voice actors, so it made me, like, take more, like, I guess, attention, pay mm-hmm. more attention to the to the voice actors and they do a fucking great job in fairness mm-hmm. it must it's, have been difficult yeah it sounds painful yeah for sure also one thing I want to mention is that when Gracious Wings well honestly I'd rather I say her name GW <laughs> like GW, GW yes. from Hey Arthur yeah <laughs> hey GW <laughs> yes so when GW rescues Lyra and Will's like, oh, I thought I thought I lost you. And he gives her a hug. And then she gives him this, like, little weird, awkward smile. It's like a... Literally, I just said <laughs> to it. She literally goes, like, yeah, but I'm fine. And she's like... It's the tiniest <laughs> little smile. It's very, like, awkward. I quite like it. Yeah. I think it's Daphne... awkward. Yeah. yeah. I think Daphne does some really good acting this episode. Mm-hmm. It would be great if I could see more of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to wait. She won't let that go. She won't let that go. So we then say bye-bye. To Roger. Oh, he dusts away. He dusts away. He um, dusts away in a way that is aesthetically similar to Baruch's death. Yeah. With turning into dust, which I found interesting because it doesn't look like when a demon disappears. It's, it's, it's more like black smoke. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it calls back to when demons disappear, but it's not as, I guess. It's not quite the same. Yeah, yeah. Not quite the same. It's interesting. I like it. It's pretty Yeah. And then we say bye-bye to Lee. And I'm so glad that the last thing he says is how much he wants to be with Hester. Yeah. yeah. What's the line I wrote down? I'm going to be with my Hester. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I love that Lyra gets to have like a proper hug from Balloon Dad yes. before he goes. I know in the books it's very, this is very different to the books. In the, mm. in the books, Lee and Joppery hold their atoms together for a bit to go and fight the spectres <laughs> in like in. a ghost battle yeah we have a conversation with russell about that and it's mm. quite funny so keep your ear out for that when that interview yeah. comes out um but so we know it's quite different but i think the sentiment lasted properly and like worked really well and it does the job that it needs to do of yeah. like them the ghost just 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 in a way yeah for yeah. sure for sure okay anything else about the land of the dead um <laughs> Aside from it being too dark. No. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, with my whinging about it being too dark, will say that, yeah, the light that is thrown onto everybody who's there, like, yes. scrabbling up the hillside to come out mm-hmm. is really lovely. I do think that, like, the image that they have of them, like, coming up to the edge, because it is the window is drawn next to a sharp drop yeah. off a cliff mm-hmm. and so people basically walking off a cliff but they're not yeah. they're walking into a window out onto this like grassy plain mm-hmm. with a beautiful view it's lovely mm-hmm. i find it really interesting because so in the book series obviously we can't see dust without a special apparatus mm-hmm. in the tv show they had to illustrate it somehow yeah and um, so they do break up and float away as like particles yeah does that mean that from the outside in the like nice grassy area the like real world you just see like a random vent in the air and loads of like smoke fucking wafting out of it all the time because there's like a constant flow of dead people we see it's heavily implied that it is into malefa world yeah because we see mary hearing whispers we see her sensing things moving in that world like whisper of like tell them stories love it yeah love it yeah that's really nice and we see some like breeze, so a very pointed breeze. So maybe that's what you can see. Like mm. there's a very pointed breeze around where Mary's looking and she like holds onto her hat. She does that twice this episode. Hold on to that hat, Mary. <laughs> we know how much Simone wanted it. I love how much she wanted that yes. hat. <laughs> yes. Um, so I think maybe maybe if you went near it, that's kind of, I guess you'd see the window because people can see windows. But I wonder if that's, you just get like a nice little sense of that there's something a bit more like supernatural magical. happening. Yeah, yeah, magical. Yeah, for sure. 
Also, because we're on, like, talking about Mary, there's obviously not that much to say. But Mary's speaking a mixture of English and Malefa language to mm-hmm. Atal. Can Atal understand English or is Mary just talking to herself when she's talking in, speaking in English? I think it's a bit of a combo. Yeah. I think there's maybe been a bit of, like, a cross-pollination of language learning, yeah. but Mary's gone to more effort than Atal to mm-hmm. learn it because it's important that Mary learns their language or more so. But I do think a lot of her speaking is mostly to herself and Atal's just there, like you go girl (laughs) (laughs) let me know when you want my help yeah Yeah, so the the mary arc in this episode is very much she's there to uh reinforce how important dust is and remind us of what dust is doing so we get her looking through the spyglass seeing that the dust is moving away from the trees faster Mm. and she mentions there's something about the trees feel like they're trying to cling on to it yeah um, she has a conversation with a towel about, um, yeah, the trees holding the flow of dust back. And a towel says something about, like, we, without dust, we won't survive. Mm-hmm. And the we is implied as the malefa, but yeah. also as everybody. Yeah. Which is kind of, we need that reinforcement of dust being important. Yeah. And then we get Mary seeing, sensing something with the tell them stories. And I kind of love that because... We're going to put a pin in it. But I think that lodges in Mary's head as an important thing to do. Yes. Which, from the yes. books, we know that mm. she has an important story to tell. So, yes. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Anything else about to say about this app? This app? I think we've covered all my notes. It, like, tension is building. Yeah. I think next episode will be difficult to cover because of the high tension and also i think the momentum is going to get even quicker between scenes and stuff like that and then there's been a lot of like crisscrossing in this episode yeah and i think that's going to continue the next one and then when we get to episode eight as we've we've seen we are pretty much in one place so we can cry about it but at least we'll be a bit calmer (laughs) we'll have a nice calm cry (laughs) episode eight but episode seven is going to be intense and Yeah. yeah I'm here for it though. Mm, me too. Uh, so the next episode is the called Cloud. The Clouded Mountain. Clouded Mountain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Oh AKA Masriel Gone Get It. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of what this episode's felt like as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. God, we're like nearly at the end now. I don't want to be. Can we do the whole thing again? Yes, let's do sure. it. <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah, this episode was a lot to kind of digest. And mm-hmm. I did feel, I think we mentioned this in our episode with Stephen about mm-hmm. like, if you look away for like five mm-hmm. minutes, you can be lost. Yeah. And sometimes I find that when I'm taking my notes and I have to, I'll like, something will happen. And I'll think, oh, I need to make a note about that. And then in the time it's taken me to yes. type up my note, I actually need to rewind because something yeah. else has happened that I'm going to want to make a note about. And that's really difficult to like, get my head around so I'm yeah, looking forward sure. to more of that next episode <laughs> the last, it's the last one that we have to do yeah. that for but now I'm looking forward to it as well I just yeah it's going to be over before we know it yeah <sighs> sorry because then we've got some interviews to release and then we can go back to doing book episodes true. so it's never really going to be over true. this it's journey true. will never end it will never end and you know what I'm fine with that yeah <laughs> before we go mm-hmm. one last thing to mention we hope it's still not going on there has been a bit of a delay on a lot of our merch orders oh yes because of a bunch of stuff happening with the royal mail at the moment so please do be aware of that but we just want to remind you that we do have merch yes you've finished the season you're listening to this podcast to keep the flame of his dark materials alive in your heart so that it just won't end you can do a little bit more of that by wearing a really cool HDM pod t-shirt yes. all the time. And yes, then you can. can just keep the fun going every yes. day. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You can find all of our merch, which is all designed by Rich, at shop. And hopefully we're going to have some like new designs soon and like new things hopefully, to put yes. out into the world in the next... At some point this year, I'm going to yeah, say, I'm going to give us a massive, year. like, a massive winter. That is how long it will take me to get my shit together. <laughs> but yes, yeah, I mean, it's um, a really helpful way to support the podcast. If you want to support the podcast and don't want to become a patron, that is the next best thing that you can do. Uh, it's bio merch. And also yeah. you get something cool and shiny for it. Yeah. Yeah. So exciting. Also, if you want to be kind, drop us a review. Did you say that in your how to support the podcast thing? No, I didn't. Well, there you go. Or drop us a review because we need those and we love them. Yeah. There you go. 
I'm not going to do the spiel. There's, if you if you want to know yes. how you can get a special reward for leaving us a review, listen to one of our book episodes. Why don't you listen to one of our book episodes? Exactly. <laughs> do that. But yeah, please leave us a review. That really helps as well. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HDMPod. And you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from merch. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about all the dads, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here whinging about how too bloody dark it is, I'm making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over on my online shop, RachMakes.co.uk. Huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings. And we'll see you in a week's time. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. Bye, daddies. <laughs> Bye, daddies. <laughs> <laughs>